0: Keep calm, keep calm cauliflower cheese, keep calm, keep calm cauliflower cheese. Hello one and all, welcome ladies and gentlemen, it's Chappie here, the British butler, we have a little Thanksgiving special this year, this year and, I, and I suppose a lot of you out there are saying what's this British chap, this, this rather stiff, awkward butler, giving me... You know, views and opinions and recipes on Thanksgiving. It, it's, it's a complete anathema. Uh, well, here's the thing. I've been over here a number of years. I've adapted some of the recipes, admittedly. And, uh, and, I, and I've stuck with some of them as well. Uh, some of the things that I'm definitely not going to have is I'm not going to have the uh, sweet potato uh, with the insipid marshmallow and sugar on the top that's burnt, uh, tastes burnt, tastes too sugary. Uh, is going to give you a, a sugar high uh, and a, and a, and a come down that you've never seen before. Uh, so I'm not doing that. I'm not doing the weird fruit canned fruit salad with the uh, pudding, the pistachio pudding, whatever, uh, with the, on the same plate as the turkey and the gravy um, and the cranberry sauce. I'm not going to do that. Um, maybe I uh, maybe I could tempt you into a cassoulet. Uh, maybe I could tempt you into a roast goose. Um, I'm gonna give you a couple of those recipes along the way this afternoon um, to see if you like that, see if that tickles your fancy. Um, but uh, I- I'm sticking with the turkey. I'm gonna I'm gonna butter that breast like you've never seen a buttered breast before. Uh, it's gonna be brined uh, and it's going to have bacon on its back and that sounds absolutely delicious. So um, welcome along to the show. It's uh, lovely to have you here. I'm almost thinking that we we sort of need some uh, need a few jingle bells. Uh, in the background here, there we go. we have got little jingle, jingle, jangle, jingle bells in the background. Uh, just to get you in the spirit of Christmas, I've been listening to Christmas songs for a couple of weeks. I've already watched uh, a couple of Hallmark holiday movies. And I do believe um, any of these set in Vale or Colorado Springs or Boulder, I think a British butler would be perfect for this. Um, you know slightly uh, a slightly stiff British butler in the background, starching collars, making dinner, uh, ringing the bells, jingling the bells I think would absolutely would be a, a, an excellent addition. It's, it's like having uh, you know cinnamon and, uh, and, and and a dash of uh, uh, five spice in your uh, cranberry sauce. I mean it's, 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 it could add that little bit of je ne sais quoi. It's been missing on all the whole holiday movies, but it's uh, it is delightful to have you here. Um, It is Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese and it's episode uh, number 39. Sorry, I just had to think there for a second uh, which episode it is. Um, But I think you know what? I think we need a little bit of Christmas music going on the background here. Isn't that lovely? It sends a tingle in so many different places where other tingles cannot reach. Anyway, so it's episode number 39, and some of the things that we uh, may or may not uh, be talking about on this rather auspicious podcast today is the power of builder's tea. Builder's tea. So your humble builder's British tea the power behind it, and what it can do for you. Um, Giles Corran was talking about Nigella's Butter Mountain. Uh, He's gone even further with uh, buttering and piling on the uh, salted Irish butter on his toast here. Um, Some of the best Christmas hampers out there, I'm not sure if you can get them delivered to you in time if you're in foreign climes, but we'll be looking at that. Who's a clever dog then? The Simple Toy Test has... The answer. Um, also, um, do you like a headscarf? Why not slip on the headscarf for that uh, Queen Elizabeth look? I think I'm going to do it this Christmas. Why don't you? Um, Champagne wrist Heresy with Robot Picker. Um, also, Johnny Wat Rotten uh, from the Sex Pistols did uh, have a nasty little uh, little nasher on the end of his. Uh, the old, into the old man and we'll be talking about that uh, a little bit later as well and I think uh, uh, we've got a cheesy potato gratin casserole maybe give you some alternatives to turkey as well uh, alternative Christmas roasts we might be uh, delving into uh, will be very very nice as well um, the French are urged to defend their language against the English should men wear Crocs and um, we're going to be having some uh, trombone or trump, our little uh, headline competition. Uh, we're going to be having that. Um, and, uh, and also we're going to be having an enigmatic English eccentric today. Uh, more uh, more uh, tincture medieval tender coming up uh, towards the end of the week. I think we're going to do another podcast episode 40 on Friday. Isn't that exciting? Anyway, welcome along put on the christmas music put on your put on your slippers loosen that ascot for a little little while here um, uh, maybe uh, maybe some baileys with a dash of coffee wouldn't that be lovely as well that would warm the cockles i would say uh, but settle in for the for the podcast and uh, and i think the key at this time of year i mean obviously we're not going to be able to be spending it with all of our families many of our families live away including mine and Miss them very dearly. Although in England we don't have Thanksgiving, believe it or not, uh, we just partied harder and, and, and went to clubs and got the glow sticks out and uh, and uh, indulged rather too much. And you guys at the first Thanksgiving had a more uh, austere sort of uh, Puritan affair, um, which I think's changed. Um, but tried to escape that indulgence that we had in the UK. Um, so anyway, I'm going to try to bring a little bit of indulgence to you this afternoon. Um, certainly not uh, not in a King George, Mad King George way uh, and not in a Cavalier fashion but uh, sit down, relax, recline and uh, have a little bit of something that you like and enjoy the ride So we had the uh, famous English cook Nigella Lawson uh, double buttering a toast and being castigated online for a uh, double buttering the toast uh, Times columnist, London Times columnist uh, Giles Corrin has even gone even further here. Food heaven in his mind is triple spreaded toast, baked beans bubbling in bacon fat, and Coke with a good squirt of golden syrup. Uh, this is what Corrin says. Wait a minute there, are people who butter their toasts only once. I don't understand what a joyless, hair-shirted, self-flagellating, puritanical, lactoneurotic, neocarbonite anti-vaxxer would spread one small smear of butter across a slice of Kingsmill and call that breakfast. Um, he's the sort of person who gets butter on the knife by scraping it from the top of the butter block instead of slicing it. I actually use the back of the fork or something to get an even bigger spread. That's what Chappie does here. Um, like a pen dragging barely a ripple of lurpak off the top who spreads it so thin there's hardly more than a sheen of cheesy sweat on the bread and he extracts a jam from the pot with a specially designed spoon not to get crumbs on it then the, cuts the toast into four squares and take tiny little bites, putting it back. I hate scrapers. A block of butter is a thing to be carved like a side of beef into a thick slab and piled onto the toast like Jenga blocks. Nigel, uh, Nigella Lawson may have caused a storm with the celebration of a twice-buttered toast this week, but that's beginner stuff. For example, I always butter my toast a third time after the thick-cut Oxford marmalade goes on it and the small amounts of butter... Can be removed from the marmalading process, but because I like the coolness and salt of the butter to hit my morning mouth thirst and clean away the tannins left by my first cup of tea, in which I make a mug with three tea bags and stir as hard with seven spoons, lest the bitterness of the orange peel land uncomfortably upon my acidated palate. So Corinne's gone even further there, um, but one thing that we do do. And, and I don't think I don't think any other country does this when we have our full English breakfast we do have fried bread so this is uh, butter and lard in a pan and you're basically toasting the bread in butter and lard and we have that as part of our very indulgent high calorific English breakfast I'm with Corin on the strong tea I would I would often do 2d bags and just a dash of milk it needs some milk but only a dash because you want that reddish color certainly um, but yes I, I you know you want your Toast crispy, and you want lashings of butter, lots of marmalade mixed in there. Uh, The thick cut variety, don't go for the silver shredded variety. That's a a little wimpy out there, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, But that's, that's how I like my toast as well, with a very strong cup of tea, so the spoon can stand straight a minute. That's how strong the tea is. So if you fancy a little bit of Christmas hamper porn, we have it for you right here. So who doesn't love a box full of luxury treats such as the joy of a hamper? It's a gift that will delight even the trickiest of recipients. Um, so we've picked out, or the Times has picked out for me, and I've edited it down here a little bit, um, the best hampers we have. So we have Fortman & Mason's Christmas Hamper. It is £175, um, and it has to be given to somebody with a very sweet tooth. So you have a bottle of brute champagne, a bottle of red and white, Uh, You have the Fortnum & Mason famous wicker basket, includes spice, biscuits, marmalade, blackberry preserve, and a Christmas pudding with cognac butter. Uh, There's also a red red ribbon box containing beautifully presented cheddar and pistachio biscuits, chili, coriander, chutney, rosemary, spice, nuts, raspberry, morello, cherry jam as well. Uh, The John Lewis, Harvey Nichols, and Salvages also have abundance of uh, hampers as well. Uh, and and also uh, uh, Marks and Spencers is uh, is doing the uh, doing the hamper as well. Um, the Marks and Spencers hamper uh, looks uh, looks absolutely delicious as well. Um, so you've got in the in the Marks and Spencers you've got Clementine and Cranberry Buck's Fizz, Apple and Fig Chutney, Berry Medley Soft Set Jam, Classic Tea, 40 bags, a perfectly matured English Pudding. Uh, a, a milk, dark, and white chocolate selection box, solid milk chocolate sprouts, uh, Christmas cranberry and clementine jaffa cakes, turkey feast, hand cooked crisps or chips, um, and presented in a dark stained hand woven wicker basket. So that's that's your um, that's your Marks and Spencer's uh, uh, hamper, which looks absolutely uh, looks absolutely amazing as well um and then uh, and then harvey nichols has what they call a winter warmer um, and this one um this one looks absolutely uh, uh delightful uh, as well and um, they've got several they've got actually several selections as well um and I, I i do believe i don't know if you'll get it in time but i do believe it is uh it uh, is delivered um to the to the us uh if um You know, if if you if you would like it here, so the 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 top, the the top hamper here, um, they have a a tea gift box as well with toffees and jam and preserves. Um, I mean, my mouth is actually watering. Just looking at this It's absolutely fantastic. So some of these do deliver uh, to the States. I mean, it makes a wonderful, slightly, uh, slightly decadent gift for uh, anybody out there. Um, But some of those uh, preserves and chutneys last a very, very long time. I'm sure the chocolates will be wolfed down in an instant. Um, But uh, if I were you, if you want to splash out a little bit, that Fortnum & Mason's hamper is uh, is absolutely fantastic and uh, very, very indulgent. So I'm always a great exponent of the powers of tea. But the powers of builder's tea, like a Yorkshire, PG Tips, Tetley, um, is absolutely fantastic. So the other day, rather clumsy. I mean, normally I have very dainty, um, uh, very speedy butler hands, white gloved, obviously. Uh, but I I did tumble over the the rosy lee the tea, over the ceramic glass oven surface, and um, I was surprised at the results. I used the tea bag. I don't know. I just was experimenting here, as one does sometimes. I used the tea bag, and it and it started scaling off and scraping off. Some of the uh, some of the uh, remnants food I think from the curry the night before that I um, had to get a scraper to, But you just use the tea bag there, and it took it off it clean as a whistle. I'm serious. Uh, so I think the builder's tea and the tea bags have you know power. I mean, uh, on an occasion, if I had a long, some long uh, withering nights uh, without very much sleep, maybe i had been ironing into the into the wee hours. Or a darning some socks or something, I uh, I do like uh, to put some of the cold tea bags on the eyes. Now it works like cucumbers; it it it, it knocks those eye uh, those dark circles under the eyes right out of town, and uh, and you and you look refreshed. You look twenty years younger just by putting a couple of tea bags in your eyes. Now I wouldn't recommend the whole tea bagging thing; that's a whole different story. But the uh, but the but the builders tea bags the strong. Indian tea that's uh, in the tea bags there will take out the dark circles under the eye. And if you've got a bit of a toothache, slip the bag in your mouth and uh, and it will take away all sorts of tea, uh, tooth pain. The alchemy of tea, it should be researched because it's more than just a golden tea leaf, honestly. So one of the newspapers did a little uh, survey, a little game, who's the clever dog then? Simple Toy Test has the answer. So they took a couple of dogs, Fisher versus Spasky. Uh, Newton versus Leibniz, uh, Freud versus Jung, to the great intellectual clashes uh, that can be added uh, with Max and Score the Dog, too. Admittedly, on this occasion, there are rather more, some, more soft toys involved. No one has called Isaac Newton a good boy when he derived calculus, but to this contest between two border collies on different continents, uh, there was no in w- no way was it less significant it was determining the limits of canine learning a search is on for the world's most intelligent dog to try to understand what makes an animal gifted scientists have a fairly good idea of what an average dog can do most dogs struggle at learning the name of even a few objects claudia for Um, of uh, Laurent university in budapest even the intense training they find it hard occasionally though there's been a case uh, studies of dogs that seem to go much further learning the names of uh, hundreds of objects these canines einsteins or dr Fugazza said intriguing we want to know what is it about these dogs that make them different she wanted to investigate in a more systematic manner and put a call out to the social media for exceptional dogs. Until they saw many of them who applied did not realize that it was their dogs. What their dogs had intelligence-wise, they hadn't trained them. They'd just picked the language up. The owners had no idea that other dogs could do these things. Interesting, all had border collies. Each Wednesday, in an online contest, the dogs are pitted against each uh, one another, and had a week to train. Max in Hungary and school in the USA were tested on whether they could identify six new toys by name. There was some hesitation, a lot of praise, and not a lot of sober. Uh, after 10 minutes, there were six all. Both drew uh, through to the next round. Adam Miliski uh, from Laurent University also said that the achievement was staggering. We've seen so many dogs, lovely dogs, he said, but they really have a problem to choose between even two objects. He was amazed by what he saw in Max and School. These dogs were fantastic, and they were thinking... And they were not just running around; they're having fun and trying to make a choice. So, what does it mean? We're used to uh, we are used to human geniuses. If there are dog geniuses, is the same true of other animals? Doctor has said it's perhaps only because we share our lives with dogs that we've noticed. There could be gifted cockroaches, but how do you find them? So, anyway, I'm gonna I'm going I should try some of these out, George. I mean, George is a very intelligent dog, a sneaky, rather cunning hound, I would say. Um, but uh, this gives me encouragement that uh, that he can be trained. Now Jack, the rat terrier, I may have lost all hope for. I don't think uh, I could train him. Um, maybe if I had like a piece of pork belly on a on a fishing rod, that may uh, that may tempt him, and maybe he would eventually be trained. So something I'm actually going to be doing this Christmas. I think uh, I think not enough men out there are doing this. Is is slipping on a headscarf for that crown look. Or maybe a little dash of Thelma and Louise. Who knows? Have you finished binging on The Crown yet? If so, you can probably guess which character's wardrobe the style is set—the uh, new style set—is lusting after: diners, frilly collars, and floral uh, midi dresses. Every fashionistas lift after uh, Emma Corrin's star turn as Princess of Wales. But there's a trademark look of her mother-in-law they like the look of, too. It's a, so- a small, soft and star of outdoor scenes in Balmoral. No, not the Queen's favourite corgi, her silk headscarf. The accessory wrapped around the head and tied under the chin has been uh, given the fashion treatment this winter. It would never pass a moral test. Now the styles uh, headscarves are flashy and gaudy; that they prefer stalking uh, street style photographers to stags. But you, uh, but you certainly never get down in the mud wearing one. So you have got a Dior headscarf, Gucci. These are the styles that are spro- spotted in front of the uh, front row in the autumn. Headscarves are worn by the Look At Me set, socially distanced fashion weeks in Paris and uh, Copenhagen. Um, and then pre-lockdown headscarves also featured in the autumn winter collection. Like the Queen's headscarf, are Hermes, um and they are usually vintage or custom made. One must wear. must say, one must wear Hermes headscarf, you know. And one, I, I would, I would say, I don't want to wrap around a corgi's neck, but I, I, it could stop the double chin from popping out, you know. So I would, I would like to wear the headscarf and uh, and see if it. Uh, see what it does to me it gives me a sort of allure mystique you know um so i'm gonna do it i mean i honestly think it could it could hide the double chin it would keep the sun off one's head as well good disguise then you could uh, you could have it as a sort of uh, bandito mask as well if you uh if you ran into somebody who needed a quick sort of uh coronavirus mask uh, necessarily um, but I, uh, but I, uh, but I think the headscarf could be the way forward. I'm going to do it. I mean, I'm always worried about messing up the hair, and I think the headscarf could be my saviour. Okay, so I think we need, may some maybe need we need some alternative um, Christmas feasts out there and, and 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 Thanksgiving feasts here. So I mean, you may be sick of the turkey by uh, by this uh, by by by. Uh, the twelfth night of Christmas, let's say, but there are some wonderful alternatives as well. Um, so we had Raymond Blancs, and I and I and I really think you should look this up online. Raymond Blanc's marmalade marmalade glazed roast duck is a, is a thing of beauty. The thigh meat is beautifully tender and melting. The breast meat is uh, completely uh, delicious and melts in the mouth as well. Um, So you need a whole duck, two pinches of salt and pepper, two oranges, a star anise and Seville orange marmalade to coat on the duck. That looks unbelievable. Angela Hartnett's uh, Chinese Spice Goose. Um, And she says, my mother insists on a turkey at Christmas, but I always want a goose. And serve it with raw red cabbage and apple salad or a chestnut and cranberry stuffing. Uh, The whole goose, you got four lemons, two limes two tablespoons of honey, one tablespoon of uh, Chinese five-spice powder, uh, one chopped rosemary, uh, a few thyme sprigs, one bay leaf rock salt and pepper. It looks absolutely unbelievable, I have to say. Um, and then Jose Bizarro's salt-baked sea, uh, salt sea bream with orange and pickled red onion in salad, if you want fish instead. Um, Hugh Fernley Whittingstall's roast partridge with sage thyme and cider. Again, look these up. Absolutely delicious mustardy sauce on the partridge there, um, which has almost looked like it's been casserole. And then Gordon Ramsay has a vegetarian Wellington. And then in the vegetarian mix, there's mushrooms, sea salt, um, parsnips, hazelnuts, tarragon parsley, breadcrumbs, uh, uh, eggs, savoy cabbage and it's uh, wrapped in a crepe first and then puff pastry around it. It looks absolutely divine for, a, for, a, for those uh, vegetarians uh, out there who may want something a little bit different. And then finally, Giorgio Locatelli's Porchetta, a roast pork Italian style pork belly, is an economical cut uh, with fennel, rosemary, chili, lemon zest, perfect for to richly fatty meat. It looks absolutely divine as well. So if you're sick of turkey and you don't want ham, there's a few uh, alternatives uh, this, uh, this holiday season that'll just melt in the mouth and give you some seasonal satisfaction. Hello, mate. Not off. So we've got Australian slang, 33 phrases to help you talk like an Aussie. Uh, Coming in at 33, we've got fair go, mate. Fair suck of the sauce bottle. Fair crack of the whip. Um, And then at 32, we have no worries, mate. She'll be right. Uh, Then we have at 31, have a Captain Cook. That's a, a look, a brief inspection uh, in apparent honour of the first Brit to Mount Eastern Australia, James Cook. Have a Captain Cook look. Uh, what about the John Dory, mate? Uh, John Dory is a fish from the Sydney Harbour and is uh, great grilled with lemon and pepper or deep fried. A few stubbies short of a six-pack, a few sandwiches short of a picnic. A six-pack has evolved to mean anyone with a fit admin, admin but uh, long ago the six-packs and still were a group of beers. Uh, 28. Tell him he's dreaming. Given airtime by Michael Canton in the castle so when you advise somebody involved in the business transaction to tell their counterpart that he is dreaming. You look like a dog's breakfast, mate. Uh, messy, uh, but doesn't refer to food. Often used by parents to describe their kids... Um, Chaotic lives. Wrap your laughing gear round that. Uh, While some suggest you can laugh at the inside, your main laughing gear is indeed your mouth. That's an absolute rip snorter, mate. Someone playing a good game of sport, having a blinder. Uh, Better than a ham sandwich. Better than kicking the backside. Someone that's better than nothing. Um, And then 23 is... Buckley chance. William Buckley was Australia's very own Robinson Crusoe man who escaped a convict ship during the first attempt to set over the settlers in Melbourne in 1803. Uh, 22. Put the wool over your eyes. Uh, that's pretty obvious. Uh, 21. Dog's eye. There's uh, more conjecture about what it really means. Inside the national staple, and meat pie. Is it beef, kangaroo or rattlesnake? Uh, another, another famous Australian phrase, bastards, often used to refer to the British. Uh, <laughs> number 19, toads, banana benders, cockies, gropers, crow eaters. These are favourite ways Aussies disparage those who live elsewhere. Tropical Queensland has many more bananas and cane toads than people, so they're branded banana benders. Uh, then we got 18, oiki yobbo, the loudmouth who's a larrikin. 17, put a sock in it. Uh, 16, an uh, absolutely delicious one, throw a shrimp on the barbie, mate. Um, then 15, do the airy. Harold uh, Holt was a Prime Minister who disappeared off the Victoria Coast. He actually bolted away and disappeared. So he's doing an harry. Uh Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, then 13, not pissing on someone when they're on fire. Uh, means you don't care about somebody. And then 12, Crikey! Blimey! Euphemisms used to communicate amazement or surprise. Uh, number 11, Oi! For drongos and galahs! Chanted three times after Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! In perhaps the most cheesiest national cry. And then we've got blokes and uh men and women. Uh, number 9, Bushman's Uh Number 8, On your bike, tell your story walking. Get out of here, basically. Uh, Seven, lobster, pineapple, grey nurse. Australians don't barter with lobsters and pineapples, but most of them have at least one friend bring them up or hit them up to the pub to lend a lobster or a pineapple. And then we have uh, smoko, garbo, bolo, botlo, arvo. Arvo, uh, an O is a suffix. Uh, To any word, it can be shortened. Can doubt for an O at the end of the word, and it's bound to be Australian. So, you got smoko, garbo, bolo, bottle o, and arvo. Have a go, you mug. Uh, that's uh, take a punch, take a swing at me. Uh, for kiwi uh, that's an Aboriginal, quite outback the outback that uh, is basically saying hello. Number three, gone walkabout. Uh, another piece of uh, language, much like the accent itself, that's derived from the indigenous culture where natives go walkabout. Uh, they go for a walk to get over some of their anger problems. And number two, one for the road. Uh, a last drink before going home. And uh, coming in at number one, we've got our hit the frog and toad. Uh, different meaning uh, to having a frog in your throat, which means a sore throat. And while some Queenslanders and uh, Territorians organise whacking day outings, uh, against the spreading plague of cane toads is not used to describe the ritualized slang uh, but the uh, dreaded 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 toad get out of here so uh sticking on the aussie uh golfer greg norman sends instagram wild with a huge bulge in his shorts as golf icon shows off his amazing physique on a dog walk golf legend greg norman is revered as the giant of the game but he should now be known as greg normus Uh, The veteran star shared a photo of his stunning walk along a beach, but fans were quick to point out how large the uh, driver was in his pants. It looks like he's got his big bertha in his pants, mate. You don't need to tee that one up. Um, You you wouldn't have to look for that one in the rough. um, Do that give you a hole in one? And and many, many, many more. Um, So, you know, we shouldn't be jealous of Norman. I mean, shirtless, I think he's like in his 60s. Ribbed abs. Um, one man and his dog on, uh, on Sunday, uh, but it, it did look like a, a baby's arm holding a big burfer driver, to be honest. OK, we have another enigmatic English eccentric Um, Some of Britain's most famous eccentrics were aristocrats, such as Sir Tatton Sykes, who had a pathological hatred of flowers. So extreme, if he ever saw one while out walking, he would immediately flog it to death with his walking stick. Tenants on his lands in Yorkshire, meanwhile, were expressly forbidden from growing any such nasty, untidy things uh, in the gardens of their cottages. If you want to grow flowers, grow cauliflowers, was the habitual mantra. As he aged, Sir Tatton became a miserable old hypochondriac who obsessively followed various bizarre health fads of his own invention. He lived an almost exclusive diet of cold rice pudding, and so the story goes, in 1911, refused to leave his mansion at Sledmore House during a blazing fire until he had finished his bowl of rice pudding. I may eat all of my pudding, boy! he said, uh, and he told the servants of the flames consuming his property. Feeling it was imperative to maintain a constant body temperature, Zatatin used to order his coats in sets of six to eight, all of slightly different sizes, and then wear them on top of uh, other layers like a living Russian doll. Then he began to get too warm. He'd simply remove one coat at a time and discard it on the ground, relying on the local boys to pick them up and bring them back to serve more for a small reward. Apparently he had a similar arrangement with his trousers. All right, so we have another <laughs> another uh, another little session of uh, Trump or indeed uh, trombone. Um, there's baby Trump again. So we take some of the most uh, annoying and irritating, uh, most heinous headline crimes of the week, and we uh, trait them, equate them to a good raspberry, a good trump, or maybe uh, a very sad trombone. So this week. Um, we have a you know a very a lovely little selection of uh, of stories to uh, to uh, to be getting on with here, um, and um, I think uh, we've got uh, our, our probably our uh, I would say our trombone of the week here, or one of our trombones of the week here. Greedy dormouse gets stuck uh, stuck inside a a, a bird. Um, a bird feeder after scoffing too many seeds. The hungry animal munched its way through so many uh, sunflower seeds uh, that it couldn't squeeze back out of the tube and was uh, trapped for more than two hours before it was found by Cheryl Hewins. Hilarious snapshot a greedy dormouse stuck in a bird feeder after crawling in and scoffing so many seeds it became too chubby to uh, indeed uh, in, indeed squeeze its way uh, out there. So I think we've got a very sad 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 dormouse there and then uh and then uh next uh next uh on the uh on the occhi here in terms of our uh trump and trombones this week man dressed as giant rat riding train admits it's easy to get stay socially distanced um so this uh this uh, young lad this um, whippersnapper eccentric new yorker jonathan lyons Perches on subway train seats wearing a terrifying rat costume as part of his work as a performance artist, and says many people give him a wide berth. A bloke who travels the New York subway dressed as a giant rat says his bizarre costume makes it easy to practice social distancing. Jonathan Lyons perches on train seats wearing the string regalia as part of his work as a uh, as, as, as indeed a uh, a performance artist. Um, so I think uh, I think Jonathan, dear boy Jonathan uh'll we'll probably get the uh the ultimate uh, the ultimate raspberry um and then uh next uh next on our little trump and trombone uh, agenda here um we have uh <laughs> i mean i am just wondering about the rat thinking back to Jonathan, how can he keep his giant tail I mean, because rats normally have you know enormous tails, how can they keep that socially distance that slippery slivery, cold appendage. Um, you, you know, but how, how could one keep that socially distanced here? Um, and then uh, we've got another one here. Shirtless groom accidentally kicks bride in the face uh, during a wedding, wedding lap dance. Um I'm surprised she didn't uh, change her mind or try to take him back to the store and return him. A bride posted a video on TikTok the moment her new husband ruined their wedding by heel-kicking her in the side of the head during a shirtless lap dance to the uh, Magic Mike soundtrack. Um, I mean, I I do honestly believe uh, that probably deserves this too. Yes. Um, And then um, we have uh, next on our little Trump and... uh, trombone uh, 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 emporium here um, we have um, uh, chocolate santa's marzipan mask uh, a coronavirus christmas in hungary in hungary where confectioner laszlo rimsey uh, decided to uh, put masks on his chocolate sanders in a small workshop in rural hungary he intended it to be a light-hearted joke to raise people's spirits amid worsting coronavirus pandemic, but it turned out to be a shrewd business move as orders surged online. Now we can hardly keep up with demand. I think by the time Santa comes, you'll have to wear a mask, but Santa has to show a good example to the people, he said. Um, To to keep up with the orders, he had to simplify the design and now produces about 100 Sanders a day using gluten-free Italian chocolate. He paints a hat red and makes a mask from tiny marzipan strips, adding the ribbons with icing. Um, he's had to change the design of the bigger Santas, which originally came without masks. So They're all wrapped, but we had to unwrap them and give them masks to our customers. Only want mask Santas. His girlfriend helps him with the, uh, with the wrapping. He also makes other chocolate treats in the small shopper's house um, that suffered losses, but the Santa with masks... And these uh, marzipan masks seem to be uh, an absolute hit. Um, chocolate Sanders in marzipans uh, mask one thing, but probably the world's most insipid face mask, according to most people, would be the traditional English Christmas fruit cake. Um, I mean, no, nobody likes. Uh, this is something I've tried to introduce into America. Is the uh, is the traditional English fruit cake? Nobody likes it. Nobody wants it. Everybody wants the the uh, f- frost frost laden. Uh, uh, butter icing cakes, but not the fruit cake. I mean, uh, Gen Zs and Millennials hate fruit cake so much. I mean, we ha- I think we need to start a revolution to get fruit cake back on the back on the Christmas dining table. It's absolutely delicious. Marzipan, a little bit of icing there, dried fruit in there, a dollop of brandy. Absolutely smashing. So, in our final trumpet trombone, uh, it'd be great on a speed dating flight, but only as we're landing. To paraphrase the lyrics of Michael Yi Ade, Oike okay, the veteran rocker Meatloaf, I'd do anything in support of the aviation industry, but I won't do that. That's speed dating in the skies. Yes, after the pandemic fueled initiative to get COVID wary passengers back on planes by providing them with flights to nowhere, take off and landing at the same airport, um, but they're looking to have some fun along the way. Uh, The the clearly desperate corporate lackeys from marketing have gone one better by adding a sexy speed dating twist. Look, I'm an Aquarius. The Taiwanese airline AVA Air has announced that it's offering speed dating flights for the festive season, but nothing says Christmas more than lying to a stranger while trying not to barf at unexpected turbulence of 30,000 feet. The AVA um, Air sexy flights will apparently be limited to 40 passengers with seats divided evenly between men and women. It sounds like an utter nightmare, uh, not that because they've just discovered a way to make grimly artificial process even more dehumanizing. Um, bing bong! Uh, but all the seats, uh, boys A to D, rows 12 to 16, could now swap with all the girls and seat E to F, rows 4 to 8, fun, fun, fun. Uh, it's my idea of hell. Uh, I loathe speaking to strangers on the, uh, on the plane here. Um, but it, it, it certainly gives the idea... Of the old um, flight attendant adage, coffee, tea or me, an enhanced meaning. It could be awkward if you reject somebody earlier in the flight and then uh, jostled into them again during flight turbulence. There'll be no sharing of the complimentary nuts uh, and the hot, wet towel on a speed dating flight could have a whole new and very different meaning. Okay, so over the coming weeks between now and Christmas, um, we're going to do a little bit, a few ghost stories for Christmas. It, it's sort of my... Favourite time of year in in many, many ways. But Christmas is also typically associated with some very ghostly tales. Um, You know, the fire blazing, the Christmas light, tree lights flickering. Um, So we're going to be delving into that. um, But I want to set the stage here with a royal Christmas haunting. The British royal family... Likes to seek retreat from the public eye and celebrate Christmas at their Queen's grand country home of Sandringham House in Norfolk. However, there is a mystery as to why they would wish to spend their Christmases at such a place. For it is said the estate is incredibly haunted. Its past servants and workers being particularly active around Christmas time. It is said that the spirits of Sandringham have a particular dislike of Christmas cards, with staff and rolls alike reporting witnessing cards being scattered, moved by invisible sources and forces. The old library is especially haunted. One servant reported having taken a nap in the library only to be awakened by the sights of books flying off the shelves. Discarnate voices are heard echoing through the halls and cold breaths send chills down the spines of the living. In 1996, a foot servant reported to the Queen that he saw a ghost of her favourite servant, Tony Jarrod, walking around the cellar of the house. The Queen is said to have believed every word. Such ghostly uh, manifestations start on Christmas and last for six to ten weeks afterwards. The Queen is said firmly believes in ghosts and spirits. And as such, it doesn't appreciate jests at their expense during the Christmas period. So anyway, so we're going to have some ghost stories for Christmas, um, some real life ones um, uh, over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, so some more fireside Christmas butler tales coming to a podcast near you soon. OK, so something that I think everybody needs to have on the holiday table this year when you're feasting is the infamous Yorkshire pudding. So I'm about to make some this afternoon, the batter anyway. So this is how you make it. This is the best recipe. So you take a, a, a cup and three quarters of flour, any sort of uh, any sort of regular plain flour. Um, then you take a spoonful of butter flavored shortening. You take four eggs and two cups of milk and then just whisk them around into a batter, um, and then uh, make sure it's nice and nice and bubbly. And then you put some muffin trays into the oven with some shortening uh, uh, spread around each of the individual parts of the tray, and then let that get very hot, four hundred and fifty degrees in the oven, and uh, and let that bubble and get incredibly hot, and then uh, give the uh, give the batter one more or two more whisks round. Uh, bubbly and then pour the batter into the uh, muffin trays and leave it for 15 minutes and you have beautifully puffy yorkshire puddings to have with your christmas or thanksgiving feast this year uh, you'll 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 say Chappie, i thank you for introducing me to the wonders of the yorkshire pudding Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. It's uh, been lovely to have you here. Episode 1339 of the Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese podcast. Twitter at Keep Cheese. Um, you can find me there at Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese Instagram. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Have a wonderful and very happy, th- peaceful Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time you have, whether it's over Zoom or with uh, a few people you're very close to and uh, and adore. And uh, enjoy their company and feast like there's no tomorrow and we finish with a poem uh, when giving is all we have we give because someone gave to us we give because nobody gave to us we give because giving has changed us we give because giving has changed us we have been better for it we have been wounded by it giving has many faces it is loud and quiet big through small diamond and wood nails Its story is old, the plot is worn, and the pages too. But we read this book anyway, over and over again, giving us first and every time, hand in hand, mine to yours, yours to mine. You give me blue, and I gave you yellow, together you were simple green, you gave me. What you did not have, and I gave you what I had to give, together we made something greater from the difference. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast today. Again, have a delicious, delightful holiday. Uh, You'll hear from me again this Friday uh, with another festive edition building up to Christmas. Uh, For now, cheerio.